I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So, as we look at regulating social media, there's a lot of views, a lot of interest, but you may not be as divided as we think on this one. Helping us break it down, as always, the ultimate inside source for us, Shoshana Weissman from our friends at R Street Institute. Shoshana, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So there's always a lot of talk about regulation, and uh, of course, more than ever, there's been chatter about regulating social media. Uh, what is it that we're missing in that conversation? Uh, this is not your typical political div- divide in terms of how this uh, actually stacks up. Yeah, so this new poll, and I think it was from the Knight Foundation, basically showed that like there, there are some people who see how to like regulate social media from the left of center point of view in the partisan way. And same for the right of center. But there's also a lot of people who aren't seeing it through that lens, that they're just kind of like, you know, thinking about it um, in a more personal way, which is unique for a lot of very politicized issues. Usually it's very partisan. Usually it's like my team and that's kind of where they're coming from. But um, but here there's a lot of nuance. And also younger people seem to be a little bit more comfortable with social media and like not so worried about the effects. Um, And a lot of this kind of brings it back to suggesting that you know, while there's problems, maybe some of this is the moral panic where the older people who haven't been on social media as long are like, what the heck is this new stuff doing? And there's real consequences. Well, younger people are like, hey, you know, maybe this is kind of something we've seen before and it's just a new iteration and I grew up with it. So I'm more comfortable with it. Oh, I think that's really interesting. If this is more a generational divide uh, with the kids saying, hey, we got this. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> boomer. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, OK, boomer. But I, I it's kind of funny how that happens. I mean, we've had these moral panics for, for you know, ever with everything from literally bicycles and chess um, up until video games. Not to say that those things are are good just because they've um, been the victim of moral panics, but also that like moral panics can cloud views. Mm, that's very important because uh, when we look at what the actual regulation should be, what the policy should be shaped to be, uh, that that's where it really gets interesting to me. And uh, and the fact that we do have these these different views in terms of the tech companies and, and what the government should or shouldn't do, uh, how does that change and tweak as you get more specific in terms of uh, hate speech or harassment or misinformation or disinformation is it, are we still just kind of in a in a murky space there? 
Yeah, and especially just because people, everyone's seeing it so differently, it's kind of hard to, to know how to regulate things and know how people want to regulate those things. Because most, um, you know, overall on the left, a lot of people are worried about too much speech, you know, too much disinformation and misinformation, stuff like that, um, and hate speech. While on the right, people are worried that their content is being misclassified as things like that and other things. So you have this, you know, a lot of people divided on that. But then a lot of other people just thinking of it from a totally different point of view. So, you know, when um, when in Congress we're talking about, um, you know, the right being one way, the left being another, it um, it also shows that there's there's another divide. The people who are just seeing it through a more unique lens and a more nuanced lens, which is kind of interesting. But it also means that, you know, when you see the story talking about everyone agreeing on tech, like maybe everyone agrees something needs to be done. But that's kind of more the um, the mark of a moral panic rather than like, hey, like, let's let's figure out where the actual problems are and how to regulate it. Um, so I think, you know, if politicians want to want to tackle this, they're going to have to be more nuanced and come together and also, um, you know, think about it in in a more delicate way rather than just outraging at uh, at, at new technologies and at big tech. Uh, I th- yeah, that's absolutely vital. The, the just raging at it uh, doesn't do a, a whole lot other than it probably raises some good campaign cash. Uh, one of the interesting things from the report you mentioned, Shoshana, is that the majority of Americans did agree that policymakers aren't paying enough attention to these issues around technologies and, and, and tech companies. What does that look like? So it's so funny to me that that was the case in there um, because – there, there have been endless hearings on big tech um, from all different points of view, but it's just most of the hearings aren't nuanced. They're just yelling at them. You know, you have conversations about Finsto where a senator thought that, like, Finsto wasn't slaying, but like an actual feature of Instagram or like um, people not understanding how ads work. And so much of it is lacking the nuance. And it, this shows that Americans notice that, like, they're, you know, nothing is getting done um, because it's all focused on outrage and PR. And while there are serious proposals, even if very flawed proposals, like proposals people want to get through, um, the lack of seriousness and attention to detail is showing through to Americans. I mean, one thing that actually most people tend to agree on um, in politics is that we need a data privacy law, um, but, uh, but, but we're not getting there. Instead, we're focusing on banning uh, co- constitutionally protected speech or um, you know, from the left or from the right, um, or uh, banning constitutionally pr- protected methods of moderating. Um, and it's kind of wild that instead of focusing on the area we agree, this is how it's kind of manifesting and people people are noticing, which is, it, it's interesting because with all the attention paid to it, that people are seeing through that and saying, hey, so, so nothing's getting done, nothing's getting solved. You guys are just yelling and proposing bills that aren't going anywhere. That's that's kind of interesting to me because I wouldn't have thought that that's what people thought. Yeah, and I do think it's interesting too because you only have that same report showed that just twenty nine percent of Americans have any kind of confidence in the tech companies uh, doing the right thing. But of course, that's only to be outdone by the lack of faith they have in Congress actually doing anything. Uh, and so let's let's get to that part of the equation. Uh, you're always my my touchstone in terms of where where is the right level of regulation. Uh, and uh, free speech and all of that, where's the right touch point or balance point uh, as we look at navigating some of these issues? So I think overall um, we have to stop trying to go after constitutionally protected speech. Um, misinformation might be bad and it might even be harmful, but um, it, it, it has to reach a really, really high threshold before it's illegal, like you know, imminent uh, and lawless action, 
But uh, in so many cases, they're talking health misinformation, which can be just wrong information. Um, there's no there's no First Amendment exception for lying or being crappy to someone. Um, you know, th- those are all things that you can do, but uh, even if it's not nice, um, which is frustrating that people don't seem to realize that. Um, but from the privacy aspect, it's, you know, people are worried about who's seeing their information and there's narrow ways we can approach it there. Um, even through the antitrust stuff, like antitrust will solve size, but it won't solve um, company behavior. It- it's not a tool for that. And that's not how antitrust works. Um, even if it cuts a big company into smaller parts, that's not changing a behavior. It's just making pieces of a company out of one large company. So really, it has to come down to, to data privacy. Um, and also, in a lot of cases, um, I think that we're focusing too much on private enterprise rather than government action. Um, you know, Senator Wyden uh, from Oregon has done a lot of work to try to stop the government from getting around um, you, you know, privacy from uh, he has the bill basically saying that government cannot uh, won't be able to buy data um, as a way to get out of, say, you know, being um, in, in the uh, after uh, sorry to get out of surveilling people so that, yeah, it can't do surveillance, but it currently it can buy data that uh, that it, that would normally count as surveillance if they were doing it themselves. So he's trying to, like, get around that. And I think those angles are really important because we don't want the government to be able to access a lot of this data. Privacy matters there and also for companies, too. But um, but it's, it's kind of shocking how little attention has been paid to his bill, which I think is really, really important. Or even um, some of the other bills are going after encryption. Well, right now, um, people in Ukraine are using encryption to keep themselves safe. And in Russia, too, the people who oppose what Russia is doing are using encrypted apps to talk without uh, government surveillance. Um, So if we discourage it here, it can discourage it abroad because, you know, all tools um, like this are are global in most cases. Um, So rather than think of it that way, I think we have to think about what what can we do, what's still protecting everyone's rights, including the companies and the users. Um, and I think when you think about it, it comes down to data privacy, but it's gotten so little attention compared to any of the other issues with uh, tech. Yeah, and that is uh, – I, I think the data privacy is the place that you could get bipartisan support very quickly. You could move something through and actually make a difference uh, in that whole space. Shoshana Weissman, we always appreciate your perspective, your understanding, and appreciate our friends over at Our Street Institute. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, big thanks to Shoshana Weissman. She always gives us such great perspective on all of that. And and so as we look at that, again, it's amazing the American people have so little confidence in the tech companies. They have less confidence in Congress. Uh, but I love that Shoshana pointed out that there are areas of broad and deep agreement. And as in everything with Washington, we're wasting time on the areas where we disagree, where we could immediately get something done that would make a difference. And I am with Shoshana. I think that data privacy is the place to begin. We'll step aside for another commercial break. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.